Hey, what's going on, y'all? What's up? This is Jose from Positively Cynical. Welcome to another episode of the show. Uh, it's the first time y'all have seen my face in a little while. And uh, we're going to do uh, not, a, not a different format, but we're going to try to dive a little bit deeper into this week's topic. And you're just getting me. Question will not be joining us this week. There's no co-host this week. I want to speak on this on my own, and I'll explain all of that in just a moment. But first, let's get to the normal disclaimers. Y'all already know that the best way to support your favorite podcast crew or one of your favorite podcast crews is to like, rate, share, subscribe, comment on our social media posts. You can find all of our social media hashtagging positively cynical or hashtagging positively cynical podcast, and that way you can find us on. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, and basically where all your favorite social media is consumed. And of course, on Apple Podcasts, the best way to support us is to like our, our and rate our content and definitely to put some comments out there and let everybody know how much y'all like podcasts. So please, please give us some love for the Positively Simple Podcasts. So yeah, this week, you're getting just Jose. I'm going to try to speak on something as honestly as I possibly can. And to be frank, it's, it's a very emotional, very fraught, very divisive topic. And, you know, I'm going to come down with, with I'm going to try to speak on this with as much of a, of a centrist viewpoint as I possibly can. Um, because this particular topic is something that that uh does not involve me as a as a disadvantaged group um I am a cisgendered male and today's podcast is going to be about Dave Chappelle uh the closer cancel culture Joe Rogan all that in general and my intent to speak on this is not to speak for any particular community, or at least not to try not to, as in recording this, I'm speaking for a lot of people in a very real way. But what I'm going to try to do is translate uh, a lot of what I've observed, a lot of what I've absorbed, a lot of what I've heard in doing the research for this particular episode of the podcast. Um, so. I definitely wanted to try to give y'all a little bit of a more unfiltered opinion. Um, I wanted to speak to y'all face to face, let y'all see me and see how I feel about these topics and not just hear what I hear or hear, hear what I'm saying or hear what I'm feeling, but maybe see a little bit of uh, the raw emotion behind it this week. And, you know, again, I, I really wanted to make this something that I spoke on on my own. and. Didn't want to involve anyone else, um, at least in this particular point in the conversation. The other thing about the the thing that I'm trying to do a little bit differently with this week's podcast is that, you know, we try to give you the best content that we possibly can in every conversation that we have. And, you know, Question's a fantastic co-host. We've had some some great people on the podcast over the last couple of weeks. We have Walt on the podcast, Teresa on the podcast. And we certainly want to have a lot more voices on the podcast and open up the dialogue for a lot more voices to appear on the podcast. 
Um, and, you know, the, the episodes that we've done have been fantastic. I've really, really enjoyed the dialogue that we've had. And it, it, it turns out that a lot of those episodes end up me interviewing question about how he feels about something because I've been leaning about him as a representative of, of as a black man. He's had to speak on a number of topics from that lens. And so as a result, I've had to lean on him a little bit and, and ask him to, to push his opinions out there a little bit further. And I've given certainly enough of my opinions of my own. But again, I wanted this to be a little bit more unfiltered. In addition to that, you know, the episodes that we've come out recently with Kyle Rittenhouse and you know, Facebook episodes, even before that with Bill Cosby and uh, Tucker Carlson, a lot of different figures in the media that have been controversial, uh, notorious for one reason or another. They've been in the news media, they've been in the news cycles, and we're going to talk about news media and news cycles, cancel culture as a whole, and not just the reaction to this particular special. We're going to try to wrap all that up in about 30 to 45 minutes. We'll see about how long I can speak on this on my own here. But those episodes have been a little reactionary, and I'm proud of the conversations that we've had, again, on those episodes, but they've come very much and very quickly after the fact in regards to a certain situation. Again, the Rittenhouse trial is a good example. As soon as we, we got the news, we decided to speak on that. I mean, we had some other things that we, we spoke about, some other things that have been recorded that are in the pipeline, what have you, but we ended up releasing the episode about Kyle Rittenhouse. Having understood the trial, having watched the trial, having seen the evidence, having done a lot of research into it, you know, it, it isn't that necessarily we didn't do our due diligence when it came to that. But I wanted to spin this in a different way. Spin, I guess, being the word, if, if we can make that somewhat of a, of a neutral term. Um, my intention, maybe, to put it in a better way, is to let a little bit of these news cycles sort of simmer down. Let the, the arguments branch out, let the context be revealed, let more information be revealed in these situations, and, and you know, let people voice their opinions and see how different, different people that are involved in these situations react to those opinions and respond to those opinions. And so, you know, this episode, The Closer Having Come Out, Dave Chappelle's The Closer Having Come Out on Netflix a couple of months ago now. A few months ago now, uh, it was you know very controversial to begin with, and I wanted to take time to again let that kind of simmer, let that kind of not work itself out, but work itself closer to an outcome, whatever that outcome is or will be. If there ever is an outcome of this, there will be an outcome of some sort. I imagine what that outcome will end up being remains to be seen. But yeah, so that is the the general idea behind why we're doing this in this format, in this way, with just myself on this week's episode of Positively Cynical. So I wanted to get that out of the way relatively quickly. We're a few minutes in here. Um, and of course, I wanted to also 
speak very quickly again about the fact that I am a cisgendered male, and I'm going to be talking a, a lot about you know the black community. Well, I'm not going to say a lot. I'm going to I'm going to speak on these things. I'm going to be speaking for people because there's really no way not to speak for people when you're giving your opinion on topics like this. So I'm not going to say that I'm not going to speak for anyone, um, but I'm going to speak for people in in the sense that it's colored from my understanding, my conversations. And whatever research and information I've gleaned about those people's opinions, and so I'm going to be speaking from a an angle and from a perspective that is not from within the community that has been maligned, that has been spoken of, and 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 revisited and and joked about in Dave Chappelle's most recent specials. So. I, I wanted to mention that one more time, out of the most respect possible to this, that, again, I'm going to be speaking about things that really, in a sense, have nothing to do with me in the most direct and, and complete sense. They have nothing to do with me, as I am not uh, transgender, not black. So I'm not necessarily involved intricately in the conversation, but in, in an uh, empathetic way, I'm going to try to reach out on this topic as far as I can and try to get you to understand my perspective of the situation as it uh as it currently exists <clears throat> so with that part out of the way we're going to get into this in just a moment i promise you i just want to give a shout out to some of the of the content creators and some of the places that i was able to get some of the information and some of the opinions and some of the things that you're going to hear in this podcast today uh, i want to give a shout out to cat black on youtube K-A-T-B-L-A-Q-U-E. You can find her YouTube channel, uh, Jesse Gender, uh, FD Signifier, who has a fantastic YouTube channel and who have all spoken on this topic and have all given me a great deal of further information and further avenues of research, uh, as well as The Take, which is another great YouTube channel. Um, so these are a few different places where I was able to glean some information and get some further perspectives that were, you know, that, that allowed me to speak a little bit more on this without complete ignorance as to what people from different communities that are involved in this conversation feel about this particular situation. So let's get right into it. No, let's get into it. We're not getting right into it. Let's get into it as, as, as best as I possibly and, and as best as I hope to uh, have this conversation with. So I guess we have to start with kind of, or I'd like to start with my overall opinion of Dave Chappelle's comedy special, or Dave Chappelle, and and then by extension of his special, The Closer. Um, so Dave Chappelle, I've been a fan of Dave Chappelle for a, quite a long time, uh, since the half-baked days, since even before Chappelle show was as ubiquitous as it became in the early 2000s to mid-2000s with two episodes of The Chappelle Show on Comedy Central. Uh, Dave Chappelle became a household name, became and still is one of the most popular comics on the planet, one of the most influential comics on the planet, one of the wealthiest comics on the planet. So I've been a fan of Dave Chappelle and I, I, I've been a fan of his because I actually really believe that he's a great comic. He's a very intelligent comic. He's a very insightful comic. And I, I think he clearly understands what he's talking about in most aspects of his comedy, at least when it came to the Chappelle era. 
you look at some of his comedy from before that, it was obviously like many comics, uh, not as refined, uh, not as thoughtful, maybe not as ingrained by the personality of the comic and by the, the, the conflicts and the, the issues and the injustices and the, the, the experiences of that comic as an individual. And so, you know, I, I had known of Dave Chappelle for a very long time, and again, was a fan of Dave Chappelle, and was very excited uh, a couple of years ago when I heard that Dave Chappelle was going to be returning with stand-up comedy, something they had not done in many, many years, other than apparently some small tours, some, some very limited engagements in which you were able to see his comedy specials. And again, I think you know, I was a big fan of his because I, I did find as raunchy and as ridiculous as some of his comedy was with you know, some of his great writing and some of the great character actors and comedians like Charlie Murphy and Paul Mooney you know, that appeared on the show on a regular basis. There was a lot that was very insightful about some of the sketches, a lot that was very interesting, a lot that was very self-aware. And so when that continued, when he returned, uh, I believe with Six and Stones, which was his first special uh, that he returned with on Netflix, I think he's had four or five to this point. I can't recall exactly how many specials have been released. I have seen all of them. And I have to be quite honest that when Sticks and Stones and other specials came out with Dave Chappelle, beginning to sow the seeds of this kind of you know, picking on transgender people in his specials, uh, I didn't make much of a fuss about it. And so maybe that's a part of the reason why I'm speaking about this a few weeks later as well. I'd like to say, and I'd like to think, it's because I wanted to give this one time to play out. But the reality is that in the past, I have been an enabler and I have been a defender of Dave Chappelle when he's made these kinds of jokes in the past. Um, so he's made some very offensive comments to trans the transgender community in the past, and he's been called out for it in the past, and it came very much to a head in the closer, in Dave Chappelle's special, in this most recent comedy special, which he suggests will be his last for a while, and by the end of the special also suggests this will be the last time that he makes jokes or talks about the transgender community in general uh, until they can come to some sort of agreement, and we'll get back to that. So it comes very much, I think, to a head in this special, The Closer. And, you know, I really did think that Dave Chappelle's other specials had a great deal of wonderful and funny and insightful and intelligent content in them. I think uh, his monologue about what Donald Trump would mean to the United States and what Donald Trump would show the United States about itself as sort of a mirror was a, a really, really fantastic and insightful bit. Uh, as, as we'll call it, since it's a part of a comedy special. I think it was really, really observant. And it was something that showcased exactly what made Dave Chappelle so special as a comedian, notwithstanding all the other things that he was doing that would turn into what I think The Closer became. Uh, and I'm not sure necessarily why Dave decided to double down on this so much, but that's exactly what the closer becomes very, very quickly. It starts off with a couple of you know, jokes hitting on a couple of other people. There's a Space Jews joke that kind of gets 
know, swept under the rug and kind of like stays under the radar. That could be construed as anti-Semitic or anti-Israel. And nobody's really talked about that. I'm not going to get into necessarily the connotation of that, but I just wanted to mention it. And, you know, after a few sort of throwaway jokes, what it sort of devolves into, and I'm going to make clear what my thoughts are on this special, I guess, in, in that simple statement, it, it really kind of devolves into a series of tales of Dave Chappelle defending himself, and, and this is the, the narrative, not necessarily my opinion, but it's Dave Chappelle defending himself from uh, a number of irrational, angry, uh, cancel culture, SJW, transgender warriors, and their peers, family, friends, uh, various others. Because if you watch the special, and now I, I'm hearing rumblings from people, you know, I've heard rumblings and I'm hearing rumblings from people that I've spoken to in person and content creators that I've seen online, that there's some sort of elaborate uh, troll or, or satire or something else at play in what Dave Chappelle is trying to do here. And I, I mean, I don't really see that because if you watch this special, it comes off as sort of Dave Chappelle's personal hero's tale. Uh, Joseph Campbell growth uh, and journey and, and all of that. Because it's a series of conflicts, as I said, between what Dave perceives as irrational or angry transgendered individuals in public after the specials, Sticks and Stones, and, and all these specials came out, came out where he was lambasted for his transphobic and anti-trans comedy. And it's just a series of conflicts, one after the other, where Dave runs into, in one instance, he runs into um, someone's mother and makes a comment about their photograph, makes a comment about how that person goes from some, something that, that he sees as some sort of adoration. And uh, the mother in this tale tells Dave that, that you know, his daughter is, is an idol. Or his daughter sees Dave Chappelle as an, as an idol, or really, really, really loves Dave Chappelle. And so there, it's a series of tales where he has a fight with another woman. He has a verbal exchange with, again, the mother. He comes later to have an exchange in a bar uh, with that same woman whose mother he had an exchange with later on. Uh, apparently, he, he ran into her at a bar in, in his mumblefuck areas of Ohio. And that's how all these tales got set up. And, you know, notwithstanding the fact that, that all of these kind of reek of stories that Dave Chappelle absolutely made up just for the, the purpose of, of creating some sort of narrative in this special, I, I guess that I don't see where the thread that people are seeing of some sort of brave satire or some something interesting really is here. Because as far as I've heard it told, and as far as I, I can see from what Dave is trying to say with this special, is that he's trying to say that transgender people have effectively harnessed cancel culture in a way that black people have not. Uh, he, he tries to make that point by telling a story about how the baby, the rapper, was canceled for homophobic comments that he made on stage. Um, 
But in the past, he was involved in a situation where he actually killed another black man. And he was not lambasted for that. He was not called out for that. There was no outcry over that. Um, but there was this large outcry over his homophobic comments. And Dave's point is that you can kill a black man in America and you won't see the effective channeling of cancel culture and canceling into um, consequences for that person. But you will if that same person makes homophobic, homophobic comments or comments that can be seen as transphobic or what have you. And I kind of don't understand what the point of that argument really is. Um, because, I mean, first of all, the baby did really, and if you read the, about the story, it was a self-defense situation. He was attacked. I mean, we can have a, a whole conversation and have about the, the connotations of being attacked and self-defense and all of that. Um, and we can get into that if we want, but you know that that he kind of obfuscates the point by not mentioning that part of the story. You know, number two, this argument is actually one that has been kind of weaponized in a small sense by the right, because you have this narrative about how Black Lives Matter will protest any time a police officer kills a black man or black woman in the street. Um, an unarmed black man or black woman, uh, but at the same time, you've heard that fairly often used as an argument about why Black Lives Matter doesn't protest violence in Chicago, black on black violence and black on black murder in Chicago. So that seems like a fairly disingenuous argument. It seems like the wrong argument for Dave Chappelle to be using in this situation. I'm, I'm being pretty honest about that. And, you know, again, the entire special is, is a, a, a barrage of this. And the hero's part of the journey that we get to is that there is uh, a friend of Dave's who is a transgender woman, I believe, that lived in San Francisco, if, uh, if I remember the story correctly and if I remember the research correctly as I've spoken of it. In fact, yeah, she, she was living in San Francisco and was in, in, the, in the audience, in the crowd for Dave workshopping sketches and workshopping bits in, in comedy clubs in San Francisco. And the story that he tells it is that, you know, Daphne, Daphne Dorman, it was her name, wanted to be a comedian and looked up to Dave Chappelle very, very highly being the most popular comedian on earth at the time. And at this time, I would say he's probably the most popular comedian on the planet. And so the story goes that you know, Daphne wanted to be a stand-up comedian like Dave Chappelle. And, you know, really, really looked up to Dave, would be there, you know, after Sticks and Stones, after the initial out, outlash or back, backlash, I should say, uh, in regards to the transphobic jokes that Dave told in those specials and others. And Dave, uh, you know, made her remarkable and, and mythologizes her in this sense as the one transgender person that, that enjoyed his jokes, didn't want to cancel him, didn't want to go after him, didn't want to take away his livelihood, uh, didn't want to take away his ability to eat, something at some point that he makes at the special, in the special to kind of make this, the consequences seem dire as if Dave Chappelle is going to have a problem putting food on his table at, at any time in the near future. I don't see that happening. I, I see all of his specials still up on Netflix. I see that he was paid 
a ton of extra money to make up for the fact that the Chappelle show was being streamed on Netflix. He was paid for all of those specials. So the money that he left on the table, which he also, also mythologizes in this special, you know, it was all really very much made up in kind. And so he speaks of Daphne as somebody who was very much a supporter of his in spite of all of the transphobic jokes that transphobic comedian Dave Chappelle has been telling for all this time. You know, but it it's still really like falls very flat and again omits a lot of the story. Um because the 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 final outcome and the final point that Dave makes is that cancel culture can be a very, very dangerous thing. Because according to the story as Dave tells it, Daphne Dorman defended him on Twitter on social media, a place that Dave doesn't consider real, so I don't know how the consequences would ever be real. Um you know, she defended Dave after the special on social media. And the story, as Dave tells it, is that uh, a mob of people, cancel culture, social justice warriors, transgender, you know, crazy people, descended onto Daphne and piled on her and abused her and talked shit about her until she killed herself, is the story that Dave tells us. He he blames that mob for the death of his friend. And he speaks of how he sets up a fund, a foundation in the name of Daphne's daughter. But if the research that I've done and the research that's been done by the others is, is telling of what really happened here. The, you know, number one, there's no real record of Daphne being bullied until she killed herself online. There were a few tweets that came in around that time, much of many of which the the comments in response were positive. You know, there were certainly people who were who were upset about her defending Dave, but there wasn't this torrent of tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands or hundreds or whatever amount of people descending on Daphne's Twitter feed to harass her after she defended Dave Chappelle. And number two, uh, Daphne's roommate at the time. Describes the situation as more of, you know, we don't really know why Daphne committed suicide in these situations, these very sensitive situations. There's, there's never really any telling uh, why somebody committed this, this act, but her theories to, to a certain extent are that she was suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder from a serious divorce um, and from losing custody of her children and from transphobic harassment on the streets of San Francisco. But I think it's something worth pointing out that like San Francisco is hailed in New in, in New York, in the United States as someplace where it's a bit of a haven for LGBTQ plus people. And even on the streets of San Francisco, that's the type of harassment that a trans person can suffer. Uh, and so another aspect of how Dave like makes mention of how trans trans people have weaponized cancel culture in a way that black people haven't. There hasn't been really any outcry for trans people being murdered at rates that have far exceeded any previous year uh, in, in recorded history. In 2021, it's been the deadliest year for, for trans people on record thus far. Uh, and there's no trans lives matter. There's no group that's out there speaking on behalf of people who, as their visibility increases, uh, are being visited with more violence by bigoted and transphobic people. So that doesn't really hold up for me either. 
the hero's tale like really comes to a very interesting and, and, and strange place for me that really demonstrates to me that Dave is trying to mythologize and, and turn himself into a hero. Uh, when he talks about the Me Too movement uh, and how that was a poorly handled movement, and and I think that that he kind of makes this comparison where you know the Me Too put on pussy hats and and crochet hats and and wore black dresses uh, to the Oscars and had this very very limited action. He makes no mention uh, of of the black woman who created the Me Too movement, um, and you know there he makes this sort of comparison. Right, where makes this sort of a comparison where you know with Toronto Burke, you have this this creator of the Me Too movement. It was co opted by white women in Hollywood, very much so, um, which he created the movement in, in the beginning. And per Dave Chappelle, these women who co opted the movement. Never mind that it might be a movement that involves them as well. We can talk about intersectionality all we want. Um, and, you know, he does make the point about Sojourner Truth showing up to these feminist meetings with Susan B. Anthony during suffrage times uh, and not being allowed to speak as a black woman. Uh, there's always been this this difficult intersectionality between you know feminist movements and other movements. But the comparison that he makes is that he, he, he paints himself as some sort of freedom fighter, some sort of John Lewis, some sort of Martin Luther King Jr. as, as the one who got off the bus and walked for his morals um, in terms of when he stepped away from the Chappelle show uh, in order to stand on his square, in essence. And I think that is exactly where the biggest failure of, of Dave... Chappelle in this special, and the biggest failure of him leaning on transphobic jokes and leaning on jokes that he understands are cancelable, which really in, in this day and age means you're you're offending people that didn't have a voice before, and now they do. That's really what cancel culture is. But the the fact that he makes that comparison is the thing that rings the most false to me because. When Dave Chappelle stepped away from The Chappelle Show and from season three of The Chappelle Show after two successful seasons, he did so for a reason that should seem pretty familiar in the situation that we're in now. And I'm going to take Dave's own words in order to, to not misconstrue what he was trying to say back then and make the point about what's being said now. Uh, now, this is from, from Oprah.com. This was from an interview that Dave Chappelle did with Oprah uh, that explained a little bit of the reasoning behind why he stepped away from the show. So I'll take from the article. One particular sketch still disturbs Dave today. The skit was about a pixie played by Dave who appeared in blackface, which Dave describes as the visual personification of the N-word. There was a good-spirited intention behind it, Dave says. So then when I'm on the set and we're finally taping the sketch, Somebody on the set who was white laughed in such a way. I know the difference of people laughing with me and laughing at me. Uh, and, and it was the first time I had ever gotten a laugh that I was uncomfortable with. Not just uncomfortable, but like, should I fire this person? 
After this incident, Dave began thinking about the message he was sending to millions of viewers. Dave says some people understood exactly what he was trying to say with his racially charged comedy, while others got the wrong idea. That concerned me, he says. I don't want black people to be disappointed in me for putting that message out there. It's a complete moral dilemma. What Dave Chappelle does in the special, The Closer, makes so much less sense in the context of these comments and in the context of what is essentially the defining moment of Dave Chappelle's career. The defining moment of Dave Chappelle's career was not half-baked. It was not the first two seasons of The Chappelle Show, although they continue to remain iconic to this day. It was when he walked away from $60 million or $50 million or whatever the fucking total of it was in order to make a... You know, to make a statement about how comedy can be misconstrued and how it can lead to, let's just say, outcomes that are undesirable for the people that are being targeted by that comedy because of the misunderstandings of people who are ignorant about the intent of that comedy. Now, Dave understands that most of his fans, in this statement, he he definitely makes it clear that most of his fans understand what he was trying to say with these sketches, like. The blind black white supremacist. Keeping it real goes wrong and ask a black dude. People understood what he was saying with these sketches. I, I certainly believe that. There was supposed to be a certain satire behind them, but I don't see that same satire, nor do I see that same concern that Dave Chappelle displayed back then, continuing when it comes to his treatment of, of trans people. And that's the thing that I really don't understand about the special. In addition to that, the way that it gets to, you know, it, it certain a certain picture of people, a, a certain way of depicting people, I should say, is the word I was looking for. A certain depiction of people on TV, on in media. Dave, I very, very much believe, understands how hurtful that can be, and I believe a lot of other people that make this argument that cancel culture is is some sort of vile force that's going to destroy anybody who said anything bad at any point in their lives they make this this argument that it's it's not really harmful to make those kinds of jokes and i think that they understand that that representation really does matter anybody you know for better or worse who grew up around the time of the cosby show or understood the effect of the cosby show there's even scholars that would make the point that the Cosby show was a through line that led to us having a black president in Barack Obama. Representation very much matters on TV. It very much matters when you're being represented as thugs and murderers and drug dealers. And we can get into the history of things like that when it comes to how white people represented black people in minstrel shows and things of that nature. And you know, representation is, can be very, very, very damaging. So the thing that, that, this point that Dave is trying to make where, or, and his defenders, people like Joe Rogan, we'll talk about in a little bit as well, and how he kind of factors into all of this. When they make this point that jokes aren't really hurting anybody, that they're just broing out, they're just hanging out, just getting to know each other better. It doesn't really work when you're the most popular comedian on, on earth using a platform to make these kinds of statements that, again, are just lazy characterizations of trans people. They're not even particularly effective jokes, and they're just characterizations of trans people who want to beat up Dave Chappelle and are unreasonable and want to cancel him and take away food on his plate for the jokes that he made. So that characterization doesn't work. 
What's even more harmful is when Dave Chappelle says that he is team turf. Now, in another fine bit of exclusion in the special, Dave fails to mention exactly how dangerous a group like TERFs are. Uh, TERFs stands for trans-exclusionary radical feminist. And if you don't know a lot about them, I'm not going to try to mention any of the things that they've said or done here. A lot of that is way too triggering and way too violent and way too vile. Suffice to say that um, some TERFs like Lily Cade and Posey Parker have said some things along the lines of all, all transgender women are men and that they are weak, that they need to kill themselves. And if they don't, that they would be more than happy to volunteer and kill all transgendered people themselves. So this is the, the image that most transgendered people get when you talk about what TERFs are. Uh, and there's that controversy that came out with J.K. Rowling very recently, also declaring herself Team Turf, and I'm not going to talk about that in great detail here. But of course, you know that that he defended J.K. Rowling, the writer of all those Harry Potter books, uh, as somebody who just misunderstood um, misunderstood transgendered people and wasn't necessarily trying to be hurtful or harmful. Uh, but you have to understand that uh, another tenet of Turf ideology is that you know, transgender women, in, in a sense, are very much putting on blackface. They're putting on a show. They're, they're putting on uh, all of this makeup and, and all of these other things to appear as women in order to get certain, a certain amount of attention or make a certain point. It has nothing to do with their inner feelings. And this is the, the ideology that you get from turf uh, radicals. Not to, not to mention that a lot of times you can find, again, people like Posey Parker and Lily Cade um, very much canoodling with alt-right extremists. So there's a connect there between the two of those. And we know that alt-right extremists don't necessarily tend to be very harmless uh, in most of the countries that they're in. And a lot of their ideologies and indeed actions have been very harmful. So, again, that, that really doesn't pass muster. Uh, for me, when it comes to the argument that that Dave is making, where he says that he's team turf or that gender is a fact, when in fact gender is not a fact, and sex can be something that you could say is a fact, uh, he's he's, conf he's he's misconstruing the difference between gender and sex. Gender being the social expression of your sex at birth, which. If you, you know your biology, you can also be born as both genders as well. So there is uh, you know, a fluency there as well. And there's a spectrum there as well, uh, something that, that Dave and many TERFs will not acknowledge in the very least. So I guess that's like, yeah, that's kind of the idea that I have around the special. The, the idea that I have around why Dave is doing this is something that I think I wanted to tie together, and that's where we get to maybe a little bit of Joe Rogan, and maybe a little bit of Donald Trump, because that's how we get to these things about... That's, what, that's where you end up when you start talking about cancel culture. So, the reality is that I believe it's, it's, it's highly intentional. I can't say intentional or not. In my opinion, Dave Chappelle has seized upon an opportunity 
cancel culture has become sort of a catch-all way to to skyrocket yourself in popularity in my unscientific opinion if you look at some of the 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 rises or the the rise of some of the most popular media figures and other figures that we've seen over the last 10 or so years as a result of social media we had a social media president who talked about how the media and everybody was trying to cancel him uh you know we have joe rogan who talks about how people are trying to cancel him and he has the most popular podcast on the planet. And then you have Dave Chappelle who's talking about how people are trying to cancel him. Again, never mind that none of his specials have been removed. Never mind that he has a documentary coming about about coming out about George Floyd that he claims the media is trying to obstruct um, in, and trying to cancel uh, as if anybody would would be interested in canceling his documentary about George Floyd. That's something that people would rather be interested in seeing, I would say, rather than a bunch of transphobic comedy. So I really think that Dave Chappelle has very, very clearly weaponized this, probably as a result of being friends with Joe Rogan, among other things, because Joe has certainly decided to, to weaponize cancel culture, to hold it out as some, some sort of badge of honor. Right, that's kind of what has has been held out as, um, in in those particular individuals and those particular figures who have taken their time to sort of speak out and put themselves as figures against the forces of can- cancel culture. And you know, Joe Rogan has had recent incidents where, because of his, and because of the prevalence of of anti science kooks on his podcast over the last couple of years and that, that prevalence growing for lack of a better way to put it. And the prevalence of his science denialism when it comes to, to COVID-19, uh, having, having, after having ca- caught COVID-19, you know, the, the sort of public rejection of the scientific consensus about what one should do um, about COVID-19, rejecting that, saying that he was healthy enough, he was young enough, Famously using uh, ivermectin or whatever the fuck that that medication is that, that I can't even remember the hell the name of it now. I'm so far removed from all that 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 fucking Joe Rogan horse fucking nonsense, whatever the hell that shit was, horse dewormer. I think it was ivermectin. But you know, there was this this controversy where people said he was, or he, where Joe Rogan claimed he was being canceled, and really like. All that was was being said were people trying to point out the size of his platform and the harm that that using that platform in the wrong way can do. And so I think that's that's kind of why I'm the most upset with Dave Chappelle. I believe he understands the intersectionality here. I believe he understands the consequences. I believe he understands what representation means. I believe he understands all of those things very, very intricately, very, very clearly, very, very intimately. And I believe that he has made a conscious decision after his first special, maybe a couple of throwaway jokes to begin with, uh, to weaponize and to use that outrage and to use and throw trans people under the bus in order to Again, I don't think he's trying to make a greater point. I don't think there's any greater satire here. I think, you know, when you're making good satire, you don't paint the person who has the the phobic views as some sort of hero, as Dave has done repeatedly in this special and recently. 
for good satire, see it's always sunny in Philadelphia. If you want to see uh, what real satire is supposed to look like, generally it is the most awful people that you have ever met that are supposed to be saying and doing these things. Um, Seinfeld was good satire, but apparently nobody realized that because everybody got really upset when they got their comeuppance in the series finale. Um, what that says about Americans that they didn't understand that that Seinfeld and the crew were supposed to be some of the most awful people around. I can't speak to that in this particular podcast, but that's certainly something that's worth exploring, perhaps in the future. And so I, you know, this has been a, fe- a fairly long conversation with just me staring at you and just me giving my opinions on my own. And I hope you kind of understand where I was trying to come from here. I hope you understand what I, the points that I was trying to make. And I hope that I didn't necessarily speak for too many people in this conversation. Uh, I just tried to make some of this make sense to you. You know, Dave Chappelle making these comments is and should be unacceptable. And it, it makes it, it, it's a little odd that anybody would say otherwise. Someone in the black community saying that, I wonder how you would feel if a comedian like John Mulaney uh, did the infamous Chris Rock black people versus sketch. Like, would you really allow a non-black comedian to make those kinds of jokes and not make a a big deal about it in any way? Because I don't see that. I don't know that there is any white comedian other than maybe a few very clever ones. That, that make clear the satire that could make anything approximating the kind of jokes that Dave Chappelle makes here. So I guess that, that that is something that makes it all the more jarring when people defend Dave Chappelle for making these kinds of jokes and doing what exactly he is doing, which is punching down. His community is not being punched down upon. And Again, there's certainly racism within all kinds of communities, including the transgender community against black transgender women of color, um, like transgender men of color. There is racism in all of these communities, and that is another point that people state that Dave Chappelle was trying to make. But again, I, I don't think he made that in a very effective way. So I, I think Chappelle, honestly, is, is lazy. He's lost it. He's leaning on easy, low-hanging fruit, and easy narratives, in a nutshell. So I want to leave you uh, with a quote from somebody that I actually have revisited, and someone that has been revisited recently in wake of the Dave Chappelle cancellation, as it were, even though Dave Chappelle hasn't been canceled at all, and he's making more money than ever after being canceled, which shows you that cancel culture generally isn't a thing. I mean, who's really been canceled? Is Louis C.K. been canceled? Is Kevin Spacey still making movies? He is. James Franco? Harvey Weinstein's in prison, but, I mean, you, you must understand the difference in many cases between a crime and something that's cancelable. That's a whole other conversation as well, but this is an interview with George Carlin that he had with, uh, with Larry King. And it was a, sort of an initial conversation about cancel culture. Uh, he was referring to Andrew Dice Clay, who was one of the most offensive comics of his time, and leaned a lot on racial jokes and racial stereotypes 
and things that were very offensive. And by the way, has not been canceled either. It's, I think been nominated for an Oscar uh, for that movie he was in with Lady Gaga. So not canceled. So from George Carlin, in, in speaking about Andrew Dice Clay, I would defend to the death his right to do everything he does. But the thing uh, that I find unusual, and it's you know not a criticism so much, but his targets are underdogs. And comedy traditionally is picked on people of, in power, people who abuse their power. Women and gays and immigrants are kind of, to my way of thinking, underdogs. And you know he ought to be careful because he's Jewish, and a lot of people who want to pick on these kinds of groups, the Jews are on that list. A little further, you've got women, gays, gypsies, and boom, 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 and suddenly you find the Jews. So King asked why Dice Clay was able to get away with these offensive jokes that target marginalized communities, to which Carlin replied, tellingly, that emphasis added by me, because I think that this is something that's relevant today, relevant now, and relevant to this conversation, and I'll leave you with this. I think his core audience are young white males who are threatened by these groups. I think a lot of these guys aren't sure of their manhood because that's a problem when you're going through adolescence. You know, am I really? Could I be? I hope I'm not one of them. And the women who assert themselves are competent and are competent are a threat to these men. And so are immigrants in terms of jobs. Take some time to look at George Collins, Carlin's comedy. He should be experiencing a revival because that's somebody that knew how to, how to tell a joke without punching down on anybody. Very offensive best guy you could check out. Everybody that I've spoken about today, I want to shout out again to some of the great YouTube channels that helped me put this conversation together. A shout out to Cat Black, K-A-T-B-L-A-Q-U-E, Jesse Gender, and F-D Signifier, as well as The Take. Uh, I'll post links to those videos uh, so that you can see a little bit of where I was coming from on this one. I want to thank you all for joining us on this episode of Positively Cynical. As usual, you all know the best way to support one of your favorite podcast crews, and today crew, solo, is to like, rate, share, and subscribe uh, wherever, <clears throat> excuse me, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Of course, you want to uh, check us out by hashtagging Positively Cynical or Positively Cynical Podcast in order to find us and find all of our content, websites, and social media platforms. And remember, the best, 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 best way to support podcasts is to go on Apple Podcasts, rate us, comment on us, and let everybody know that we're one of your favorite podcasts. I want to thank you all for joining me. I want to thank you all, those of you who have made it this far, for taking the time to listen. And I want to encourage you all to think about a different way to maybe deal with this situation in regards to cancel culture. There's going to be some conversations we're going to be having in the future about Maybe a different tack. Maybe canceling Dave Chappelle ain't doing anything. All it's really doing is amplifying the argument. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe I'm full of shit. But I want to thank you all for joining us today. Thanks very much. We'll see you all again soon. Peace.